She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. And today we have Dr. David Prologo, and he has written a book called The Catching Point Transformation. It's a 12-week weight loss strategy based in reality. So welcome, David. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So let's talk a little bit about, give us a couple of glimpses to your book, The Catching Point Transformation. You have a 12-week weight loss strategy. Give us give us five of them. Give them, give us a couple of them so that we oh can- Oh my gosh. So together. there's a lot to say. There's a lot to unpack around The Catching Point. Uh, it's not your typical approach. It really is founded in- the understanding that most people fail their diet attempts, right? This is what I became passionate about, got interested in, uh, used my career to research and pursue this whole idea of, uh, of diet failures. And then the subsequent message that we send to these folks who fail, that it's their fault, that because they don't have willpower or weak or some other nonsense like that, is the reason why they fail. So the catching point transformations opens with that, right? It opens with this understanding that all of that is nonsense, that people fail their diets because the body rebels in the name of survival. The body perceives this diet as a starvation event and it slows your metabolism. It dumps hunger hormone into your bloodstream. It sends nervous signals to your brain to, so you'll seek food. Uh, for survival and more, there are more. And all of those things are what lead to these diet failures, not, not a lack of willpower, but the body's will to survive. Very much like being underwater and uh, doing okay for the first five seconds, but then realizing that your body is not going to tolerate this threat on its life and you need oxygen. So it will start to overwhelm you with signals to burst to the surface. It's very much like that. So the book is founded in that. And what follows from that is this journey to the catching point transformation, this joining, this journey, excuse me, to this point after which those signals are quieted and the journey is easy. And so said plainly, I think most of the people who have failed diets, myself included, who have who've gone on this journey and failed and look across the way and see these folks who are carrying their yoga mats and going to gyms and drinking kale shakes, they all seem very happy. They all seem very peaceful, not like they're struggling and feeling like crap like I was and most people are when they embark on these things. So the point is they don't feel like crap. They enjoy this very much uh, and everybody can enjoy this, but you have to get past the critical point first and that critical point is the catching point and that is what the book is about. Got it. So you had developed some kind of shot that is intriguing that stops the hunger hormone. Talk about that a little bit. So, so I'm an, I'm an interventional radiologist by trade uh, before I got my obesity medicine certification. And what that means is we guide needles and, and catheters into the body for various reasons. What you're asking about is our ability to block either the hunger hormone uh, which is uh, one procedure, or the hunger signal that the body sends when the stomach is empty to the brain. Those two things will add up to an irresistible urge 
to seek food when you restrict your calories. And what is clear from the obesity medicine literature, what is crystal clear is that whatever diet, calorie restriction, exercise program people embark on, the key is staying on it, which seems simple, right? But the medical word for that is adherence. The, the key is, is staying on it as long as you can. And one of the things that knocks people off is hunger. So we thought we have this ability to decrease the hunger hormone, to block the hunger signal. If we do that, will that make dieting easier for people? And that's exactly what happened. And there was this explosion uh, of interest and in, in, in how people were having an easy time succeeding, not starting on Monday, and then by Tuesday morning, feeling so overwhelmed that they've, they've got to burst into a cheeseburger place or something. They, they felt peaceful because the hunger signal was gone. But, but if you don't mind my saying, the reason I did that, the reason we went down that road was to prove to humanity that it was the body signal that was shutting you down. It, it was the body sort of matter to the mind, right? It wasn't mind over matter. It wasn't a matter of willpower. We didn't go and implant willpower and then all of a sudden people did well. We blocked a body signal. So I wanted to prove that it wasn't a psychological phenomenon that was happening here. I wanted to debunk all of that. Uh, of course, people were more interested in, oh my gosh, look how people aren't hungry anymore and they can lose weight. But the real point was uh, we can stop sort of condescending and shaming these folks now for a lack of willpower because it's totally nonsensical. It's a, it's a condition of the body just like everything else, just like diabetes, cancer, heart disease, everything. So I, I kind of disagree with you. And this is why, because I believe that why people are over eight, <laughs> why people are overweight is because we have lots of excuses, you know, like I have a slow metabolism. I've tried to eat less. I hate being hungry. I love the taste of food. Um, but I believe the real reason anyone is overweight for the most part is because you're consuming more food than your body needs and what it doesn't need is stored as fat. And so what it's not about being hungry, it's also about overeating. So I think that's another piece of it. And so what happens is it's, you know, you lose weight through deprivation, you go off the diet and go back on it, then you overeat. And then, you know, it goes into this vicious cycle. But I think the piece that isn't talked about, it's, it's not that when somebody's physically hungry, when their stomach's growling, okay, they should be eating when they're they're getting hungry and they want to eat. But the problem is, is the amount of food that they're eating when is, is what the real problem is. Do you talk about that at all? Yeah, I talk about it every day of my life. So, <laughs> so I appreciate you sharing that, that point of view. So what's important about what you said uh, off the top, I believe, is that uh, there's two distinct phenomenon that we might be talking about. So we have to be clear about what we're saying. I think what you just said is uh, why people might be overweight in the first place. What is the cause of obesity? Why do we have an obesity pandemic? We have access to all these processed foods and so on. That's one thing. But what I'm talking about is a different thing. I'm talking about someone who's in the state of obesity or overweight now, regardless of how they got there. 
And what is possible? Is it possible to reverse that state and go back into a lean, steady state, relaxed state, not not a state where you pull a rubber band back and you're resisting this this urge to eat for the rest of your life. I'm talking about can you cross back over to enjoying what I call the always lean population and be peaceful and want to work out and want to eat well and have food preferences that uh, are healthy uh, going forward. So that's two different things. I'm talking about the impossibility of making the change back. Why we're obese in the first place is a whole different subject. And there's a lot written on that. And you're probably right about overeating and processed foods and, and so on. The cause is less my concern than the cure. So for example, people present themselves to us with heart disease or lung disease or even lung cancer, right? And they might have gotten themselves there through smoking and drinking. And uh, it's not for me to say, hey, you were smoking and drinking, so you're on your own. I'm, I meet them when they've already got this disease, right? And so I'm talking about how do I get you from this disease back to a healthy state? And my stance is that the current paradigm of just restrict your calories, eat healthier, and exercise, tip your calorie balance uh, from, from positive to negative, that doesn't work. And I don't think I would even, uh, the last thing I'll say is I don't even think that that is open to discussion or negotiation uh, that it doesn't work because it clearly does not. The CDC put out a report last year saying that uh, one in two people, so 50%, so 150 million people in the United States uh, tried at least one diet and failed in the previous 12 months. So that's 150 million people who tried this idea of uh, negative calorie balance and failed. So I think it's pretty difficult to to stand on the other side of that and say, oh, this negative calorie balance stuff, this really works because it clearly doesn't. But but here's the thing, and I understand what you're saying, but this is what I hear people saying all the time. They're saying that, you know, I eat lots of healthy foods topped with some not so healthy ones, and I would feel pretty full after meals. And then let's say I had a stressful day and I would compensate myself by rewarding myself with more food. And so people get into this thing where they've created these habits of when I'm stressed, I'm going to eat. When I'm bored, I'm going to eat. When work is going, you know, you're, you're basically triggering your brain that every time you're having trouble at work, their drug of choice is food. So whether they're hungry or not, their brain is thinking they're not physically hungry, but they're like associating, oh my gosh, I need food because that's their drug of choice. And so now let me, I've trained myself that every time I'm stressed, I'm reaching into my my drawer to grab a piece of chocolate or I'm grabbing this and then constantly spending time preparing and, and, you know, eating food. So I don't agree with you on that either. I think that people are saying they're going on these diets, but then they do it for a week and then turn around and go on a binge again. Right. So that's, that's exactly my point. We, we do agree on that point. They're not staying on these diets. You're correct. 
Um, so there was an article about, uh, we talked about intermittent fasting a little bit before we started recording. There was a recent article in the New England Journal of Medicine that compared intermittent fasting to uh, standard calorie restriction and showed that these two things were the same, that there was nothing special about intermittent fasting. And then there was a different famous article a few years ago in the Journal of the American Medical Association where they compared all of these diets, the Zone diet, the, the Atkins diet and, and Ornish, and again, showed that there was no difference in the individual diets. Why am I bringing these up? Because the one thing that they were able to correlate with success was adherence. Those people who stayed on lost mm -hmm. weight. Seems, seems like it makes sense, right? It seems easy to understand, but it is the only thing that correlates. So I do agree with you that they don't, patients cannot stay on these diets. They don't and can't stay on these diets. And that is exactly why they don't work. Where we might differ is that it's my stance that, let me put it to you this way. If you came to me today, God forbid, and you had some sort of cancer, right? And I gave you uh, a drug to treat it, or, or don't make it something so dramatic. Let's say you had a rash and I gave you a drug to treat it. And that drug, you could not take that drug. You just couldn't stay on it. You, you came back to me and said, look, I cannot take this drug. It's making me nauseous. I I, you know, I just can't take it, right? Uh, but I would say to you, look, that drug, if you stay on it, it'll cure your rash. And you say to me, no, no, I can't stay on it. It's making me nauseated. It's making me anxious and all this other kind of stuff. What would I do? I would find a different way for you. I wouldn't say, if you stay on this drug, it'll get rid of your rash. You're not staying on it. I guess you don't want to be rid of your rash. I wouldn't approach it like that. But if you come to me for weight loss and I say, okay, here's a calorie restriction diet, stay on it, you'll lose weight. And you come back a week later and say, look, I cannot stay on this diet. I have overwhelming hunger. Um, I'm fatigued. I feel anxious. You know, I have these habits. I can't do it. Then it's my responsibility to find another way for you. So I think we do agree that people don't stay on the diets. And that's why we can't make the change from overweight to lean. Where we might disagree is that just forcing them to do it, just do it, is not the right answer. We gotta find a new way. We wouldn't do this in any other setting. If we had any other, any other treatment program, if I sent you to physical therapy and you couldn't do it, I wouldn't just say, just do it, do it, do it, do it. I would find a different way. And I'm just saying we need to find a better and different way. And that's why we block the hunger. We bring you in and block the hunger. Now we've found a different way now you don't feel so hungry. Calorie restriction is much easier. You stay on it and your whole life has changed. But not because I implanted willpower, because I made a change to your body. So it is just so hard to overstate how important magnesium is for all aspects of our health. Everyone is talking about how critical magnesium is. And there is a long list of symptoms and diseases that can be eased or even treated with magnesium. So way back when, doctors used magnesium for all kinds of conditions like arrhythmia, constipation, preeclampsia, even seizures. And now it's kind of used as a last resort. It's absolutely essential to our health and our well-being. This is a huge problem because magnesium deficiency can increase your risk for all these different diseases. So I am really a big advocate of getting as many nutrients as we can through a well-balanced diet. Like that is super important. But I really feel like right now that food alone 
isn't going to work because our soil is so overworked and so mineral depleted that it's just lacking so much magnesium. Fortunately, Bioptimizers has the solution. Their magnesium is the only one that has seven types of magnesium, and it's specially formulated to reach every tissue in your body. So go to magbreakthrough.com slash waste away. That's magbreakthrough.com slash waste away and get 10% off and use the code waste away to get your magnesium. Mm. Well, one thing that I have noticed just about me, it was funny because yesterday, uh, you know, obviously I didn't eat, I don't eat breakfast. So it was around probably 1.30 and I was ravenously hungry. Like I was just so hungry and I was like, I was almost shaking. I was so hungry. Like I was just, you know, I don't like to get myself that hungry. And we went and got, I got some chicken and broccoli um, and white sauce from a Chinese restaurant. And I was so hungry. I ended up eating like two lunch size portions of chicken and broccoli with nothing else. Like I didn't get any rice or anything. But when I was done with that meal, I, I felt like I had overeaten just a tiny bit. But it was because I did allow myself to get just to the point where I call it hamster hungry, where you're just like ravenously hungry. I should have had like, you know, a boiled egg or something, you know, before I got myself to that point that I got so ravenous. So it's very true that once you do get to the point where you're so hungry, it's kind of like everything goes out the window, right? Like I'm everything gonna... goes out the window. And 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 now we're getting to the to the absolute point of the catching point and what the book is about. The book is about mitigating those kinds of situations, not getting yourself. It's exactly that. If we identify the things that block people, hunger is one, slowing metabolism is another, right? Trying to stick to a static schedule is another. If we identify these things that lead to failure and then we mitigate them. Yes, we can mitigate hunger with a procedure, but we can also mitigate hunger in some of the ways that you're alluding to without having a medical procedure. If we can so give mitigate- us a couple of practical tips, give us like some really practical tips before we tar- start talking about taking a shot. Sure. So I think that the number one, well, I know that the number one thing that leads to failure is this idea of sticking to a static schedule. So what do I mean by that? This is my number one tip. If I can only give one tip, it's this. People will begin a program and they'll say, I'm going to start on Monday. It's always Monday, right? I'm going to start on Monday. I'm going to follow this exercise program and this diet program to a T. And it's a static schedule, meaning that it says, do this on Monday, this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday. And people's lives are so different. And each human being is so individual. And their response to that exercise or that calorie restriction is so individualized that trying to stick to the static schedule almost inevitably leads to failure. People get to Monday, they do what they're supposed to do. They wake up Tuesday, they pack their lunch. By lunch, they're starting to slip already. I'm not going to be able to maintain the schedule. By Wednesday, I had to do this exercise program. And by Thursday, they're off, right? So the tip that I would give is ditch that static schedule. You are an individual with an individual challenge, whatever your weight loss challenge might be. Your body's going to react differently to whatever calorie restriction or exercise you implement. You need to listen to that feedback follow your body signals. Maybe one day you are going to have to eat, but this is a year long journey. 
Whereas if you just start on day one, try to white knuckle your way through as long as you can, that's like pulling a rubber band back. And when you get to the point, as far as you can go, it's like letting go and you're going to gain the weight all back. But if you listen to your body's feedback and follow those signals and don't try to stick to a static schedule, at the end of a year, you'll be somewhere. As opposed to now, at the end of the year, we just failed three tries. Yeah, I think one of the things that's so important that I have to constantly remind myself about is because I, for years, regardless of whether I was hungry, anytime I was struggling with work, my brain would automatically think, how about I go get something to eat and transferring that to saying, I am only going to put any time I'm physically hungry, physically, truly, truly hungry, that's the only time something is going to go into my mouth. To me is the, the way that you can have true freedom is, is actually learning when you are physically hungry and then eating only during those times. What is your opinion on that? So again, I'll, I'll go back. I like it, but I'll go back to uh, making sure we divide it into what gets us into trouble in the first place, what leads us to being overweight in the first place, and a different, totally separate project, which is uh, transforming backwards. I think what you're talking about, again, falls into the first bucket. That's how we get in trouble in the first place. And I am for sure guilty of that. I have a busy day. I can't get home. I'm stuck here and they have chicken fingers downstairs. Not only do I eat the chicken fingers because they're available, but they literally just make my day better, right? Because I'm having a bad day anyway. And there's a dopamine release and uh, it's everything that you're talking about. But I look at that as the, I look at that as the smoking that leads to lung cancer, right? Or the drinking that leads to heart disease. That's what gets us into trouble. Once you're overweight and you decide that I'm going to go backwards to a lean state again, it's more complicated than just not eating for emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's what, what's what I think people do is instead of trying to do the internal hard work, you know, internally and figuring out, um, you know, saying like for me, if I say instead of eating, I need to acknowledge that my job is hard. I'm capable of doing it. I'm going to slog through it, even though it's kind of hard. And I know I have to deal with some un uncomfortable emotions, but I know that those emotions are going to go away. And I know that I'm going to be more productive when I don't take snack breaks. And that to me is the right way to do it. But if you're not going to do that and you want to take kind of the easy route, then tell us so, the easy route. Yeah. So, so, so it should be, it, it, it really, honestly, it should be easy, right? I mean, it, it, it's why does it have to be this, this um, inside out kind of approach? Why does it have to be this internal struggle and this resistance and this um, these bad feelings all the time, right? If you look over here at the maintenance folks and you you see, you listen to somebody who says, I just can't live without running. I just love running. I can't wait to run. These people aren't miserable. They're not dealing with bad feelings inside and slogging through their day and all that kind of stuff. They're living their life and enjoying it. 
So why do we take someone who is overweight and say that for them, it has to be this constant internal struggle and bad feelings and um, abstinence. And it's just a lifetime of just stuck, right? I mean, it doesn't, I, I'm, I'm saying for sure that it doesn't need to be that way. And when we send people down that path, they get two weeks in and say, you know what, forget this. I have one life to live and I'm going to feel like SHIT for the rest of my life. I'm not doing that. It doesn't have to be like that. You can get yourself over here to the group of people who don't feel miserable and fight these feelings and slog through work and enjoy their life and enjoy exercise. There's this um, famous Harvard professor who said that exercise alters our food preferences towards healthy foods. And that's a very powerful statement because it's true. If we can change our exercise capacity to a certain point, you'll want to eat these things that are currently now a struggle, that currently now people say you have to win the internal battle, which I which I just profoundly disagree with. You don't have to win the internal battle. Get yourself to the point where there is no more internal battle. Get yourself to the point where this is enjoyable for you. And this is why it's difficult for people to hear the message that I'm I'm sending you. First of all, what I'm saying is true, right? This is just based in evidence, based in truth. I just want people to know the truth. It's not like some opinion that I have. This is just the truth. The reason why it's not uh, widely known is because during that time where you have to change your exercise capacity, get to that catching point, make everything easier. During that time, that 12 weeks or however long it is, you're not going to lose any weight. During that time, you're just going to change your body so that it's not miserable anymore and it's enjoyable and you'll be successful. But during that time, you're not going to lose weight. And, and nobody wants to hear that. You're drowned out by the, the marketing machines that say you can lose 90 pounds in 90 days. And people just kind of go over there like it's a shiny object. But it never works, right? Again, I'll, I would go back to the data, to the CDC, to the truth. It never works. So if we can get the truth out there about how to change your body to make it easy, then this whole idea of internal struggle is just out the window and people can enjoy their lives. So let's talk about the, the weight loss procedure that you've created to block hunger. Um, how does that work? You know, are you the only one in the country that gives it? Talk about that for just a second. So we did it uh, as a trial uh, years ago, meaning that, you know, when you come up with a new procedure, you have to, uh, under the guidance of the FDA, do it safely as a, as a clinical trial to prove that people will be okay and so on. And that was uh, what we did in 2015 or 2016. And since then, uh, been working on so many other things, interventional pain and all this kind of stuff. I just did it back then to make the point that it wasn't a willpower thing, that it was a, it was a condition of the body. So yes, we do offer it now for select people. And, and the question always then is, you know, who, who's a select person? The select person that I would be willing to do the procedure for, because again, we're, this is sort of, you know, we're busy with our day jobs and I will do this for for select special people. And those people are hungry. Those people will tell you when I diet. It, it, and by the way, this, this is a distinct difference between the people that you're talking about, myself included, who get have a stressful day and eat. This is not them. This is the people who say, when I go on a diet, I cannot think about anything else but food. 
the minute I start, I am thinking about food. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about food. I'm insatiable the next day. I can't worry. I can't think about anything about when my next meal is going to be. It's hunger that breaks me down and causes me to quit my diet. Those people are the people that will do the procedure for because those people, if you take that obstacle away, will be successful in the long run. So for the people that say, I don't want to have a procedure, I just want to have, you know, two practical tips that, you know, when I am hungry and I, or let's say, let's say when I'm not hungry (laughs) and (laughs) I'm just want to run to food instead of, uh, you know, kind of medicating, self-medicating myself with food. What are your practical tips for those people that say, I'm tired of self-medicating with food. I want to beat that. Oh, gosh. So this might be, uh, this is going to be a different point of view uh, than I think you might have, which is good. It it creates a good, uh, robust discussion for us. But in the book, we have uh, these tips that you're talking about. And one of them is literally called stay full, right? And so during this time, when you approach the catching point, you have to be full, you have to stay full, you have to avoid hunger. So even when you have this situation that uh, you want to eat, but you're not hungry, then the sort of sub tip becomes eat things that are going to allow your body to change its exercise capacity, eat deliberately. So what you're trying to do during this time leading up to the catching point, you're trying to change your body into a body that doesn't struggle with weight loss. And what are those bodies? Those are the ones that can do a certain amount of exercise. Right now, most people who want to lose weight, they don't have the exercise capacity to do anything meaningful. They can't burn enough calories to actually impact their weight uh, loss. But if we can change that by eating the right foods, right? By focusing on protein, focusing on our supplements, not restriction, but actually focusing on what we take in to eat, then we'll change our bodies then we'll be a different person. And then all of this will be easy. I will say this, that, you know, making the food choices that you do, if if you start eating food choices that will spike your blood sugar, then it's like, as soon as that blood sugar starts coming down, you are going to then just want to eat and eat and eat and eat. So that's another piece of the puzzle is making good choices, um, you know, on what you are eating, but also satisfying that, that food hunger. All right. Well, tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you. Well, thank you. Uh, so the website is drprologo.com, just D-R-P-R-O-L-O-G-O.com. And that actually links out to all the things that we do. Um, weight loss, the book is on there. Uh, the advanced interventional pain that we do, patient advocacy, there's a lot going on there, but it all sort of uh, is housed at drprologo.com. So thank you for allowing me to mention that. Awesome. Well, you guys stay tuned. We've got another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.